scripture reading and the following address are part of the YouTube streamed worship service from St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on January 15, 2023. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. for this second Sunday after the Epiphany is written in the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 1, beginning at the 29th verse. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which is translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah which is translated as the anointed one. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter in Arabic. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Well, grace and peace to you, particularly those who wait upon the Lord. we are told that those who trust in the Lord are happy. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust. It's from the psalm that was appointed for today. We haven't heard it, but I will refer to it in the sermon. Psalm, uh, psalm 40. Yes, peace to you, Simone, as you wait for that chair. And peace to you, to Simon and Caitlin. And peace to you, to Bet, waiting for that holiday. And many, and all of you, for whatever you're waiting, we are all waiting for God to reveal himself fully to the world. And it's the great, and the great plan that he shared with the people through the prophets. And we heard it today from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah, who probably lived in, in Jerusalem during the time that the um, Assyrians were actually in the land and threatening to take over Jerusalem. But his, um, his prophecies actually 
indicate the people being taken away into Babylon. And many of his prophecies also talk about us in the last days. Well worth looking at. An amazing prophet. A major prophet of the the, um, Old Testament. So today we've looked at uh, his prophecy from Isaiah chapter 49. And in this book of Isaiah we hear within the prophetic words of comfort and promise made to the people in exile or the people about to go into exile that God has a great plan to restore his people. And most amazing is the one who will bring this great plan into being, this great rescue and restoration, will, will be birthed among the people, given a name by God while still in, the, still in the womb, just as the angel announced to Mary that her child's name would be Jesus. One who will speak with great power, with a tongue like a sword, killing, wrongdoing and giving life, separating spirit from flesh. And though he will be a servant, his will, he will also be the son of God. And there's a reference to that in the Isaiah text where he talks about that he has polished arrows in his quiver. Often referring to sons, the arrows of a, of a father in his quiver. This true and faithful servant, whose name is also Israel in the prophecy, and so it's refer, sometimes it's referring to a servant, a person, which is Jesus Christ the Messiah, sometimes referring to perhaps a king of Israel, sometimes referring to the people themselves, and also referring to the church, the new Israel. This servant Israel will bring glory to God, and despite apparent Failure, he will bring back Jacob and much more. For just restoring Israel would be too light a task for him. Such a great servant of God is he. The prophecy says, just to restore my people, Israel, we far too light a task for you. No, I'm going to use you to restore all the nations to myself. A bold, broad, impossible plan in our thinking that And and how amazing that the um, people who heard this, they are the chosen people of God, the Israelites. They've been told that the Goyim, all those other nations are going to be included in this great plan of God, of salvation, that God loves them too. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth and embrace all nations. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to the deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers, that's what, where Israel was. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they will prostrate themselves, prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. So don't despair in your times of waiting, even if in waiting in exile or pain. This amazing plan of redemption is pronounced and revealed by, to a broken people, a nation occupied by the Babylonians or at times by the Assyrians and others. With many leaders taken into exile for generations, they were there for 70 years in Babylon. A proud people broken and brought low. The temple of Solomon, that Solomon had built for God to dwell with his people had been desecrated. The walls of the holy city destroyed before its people were taken a while into exile. 
how can any of our troubles ever compare to their plight? And though we might at times feel we are in exile waiting, surrounded by evil and godliness, godlessness, not belonging to this world, God has us in his hands. He has given us his son. In Jesus we have seen the salvation promised long ago. We're not alone as we, and we're not forgotten. We are his beloved, the redeemed bride of Christ. And so they, there they were in Babylon. They sat in dark despair, surrounded by the graven images of false gods, the false gods of their captors. And here they hear Isaiah's words of hope and rescue. Their God hasn't forgotten them. Isn't that one of the things that we first think of if we were sitting and waiting for somebody? They're forgotten. Well, they don't care. He promises to send one who will not only restore them, but who will cause all the nations to benefit from his work as God's servant. Kings and rulers of the world will stand in his presence. They will bow down to him, cast down their crowns and worship him. He is the king of kings. There's one problem with this prophecy. There's no detail of when or exactly how this will occur. That's yet to be fully revealed. It's revealed in today's gospel as John points to Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is gradually being revealed as the Son of God, the, the one who's promised the anointed one, the Messiah, revealed in order us to find him, to follow him, and perhaps be called by him. Like any promise of God, it not only brings rejoicing and hope, but it calls for trust and patience. Well, they were there for 70 years. They did return. Great Persian, uh, Persian king, uh, the Cyrus the Great, uh, he, he took over the, the Babylonian Empire and uh, he released the people. In fact, he, he sponsored their return to Israel and helped them rebuild. But he was not the Messiah. He doesn't quite fit it, does he? There's no obvious Messiah. He gave them freedom and assisted them in returning home to reestablish the walls of the city and the temple in 538 BC. But he doesn't fit the description of the Messiah. He was an instrument of God, but no son of God. Not able to put all the wrong things of the past right. And so, back in Israel again, the Holy Land, they waited. And in waiting, they forgot. They wandered far from the instructions of the law like sheep without a shepherd. And for some 400 years, 400 years, many generations of Israelites, there was no more prophecy in the land the lead up to Jesus arriving. Just imagine that. Not only my lifetime, but generations of not hearing from God, wondering when this, one, this promised one will actually appear. And he appears 400 years after the last word from Malachi, at a time when they are oppressed by another ruler, the Roman Empire. And there's a voice in the desert saying, prepare the way for the, for the Lord. The hearts of the people were stirred again and they repented of their sins 
and prepared for what John was pointing to. Last week, we celebrated the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, and even more so, our baptism into Christ. This Jesus who stood anonymously among those being baptised turned out to be the one. His name, God saves, holds potential. Jesus, Joshua, God saves, holds potential. But the title, Lamb of God, and his humble submission to a baptism identifying with the need of God's people for repentance, that doesn't sound like a candidate for God's restoration, one whom rulers of the world will bow to. But God's ways are not our ways. And he reveals his means of salvation in the humble service and sacrifice of his son, who never owned anything. Through Isaiah and other prophets, he revealed the wide scope of the plan of salvation. At Jesus' baptism, he identified Jesus as the one long promised, long yearned for and long waited for. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove settled upon Jesus and remained with him, John tells us. And today we hear again from, in the testimony of John, a few days later, he was baptized, after his baptizing Jesus, he sees him in the crowd and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the next day, while he's talking to a couple of his disciples, Behold, the Lamb of God. And intrigued, two of his disciples follow Jesus. And he turns around and says, what do you want? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? They don't quite answer directly. They, they say, oh, we want to know where you're staying. Where, where are you abiding? Where are you tabernacling, maybe? These are words of God's tabernacling with his people. Where are you abiding? If, if he's a great teacher, then we need to be with him in order to learn from him. So they go and Jesus says, well, come and see. Come and see my digs. And they talk. Their question about where Jesus abides showed they understood that in order to learn from Jesus, they had to dwell or abide with him and he with them. Having Jesus revealed to them by John, they then found him and stayed with him for the day. God is revealing his son to the world through the church. And people are invited to receive him, to learn from him. Last week, Sue Westhorpe preached about our baptism into Christ and how by his name we have new names and a new identity in the ch as children of God. She also shared the importance of living out that identity in the way that we glorify God, proclaim his salvation, plans and means. That God... Yes, he's causing us to wait, but we can wait with confidence. We wait with confidence for he is faithful. We are tempted, are we not, to want to generate activity in this church and see th great things happen, but at the moment we seem to be waiting. Can you wait? Are you able to trust in God in waiting? Be still and wait upon the Lord. And we wait actively, of course. We wait praying. We wait loving. We wait inviting. 
One of those who heard John speak that day about Jesus followed him. He was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his brother and brought him to Jesus. Immediately Jesus says, oh, your, your name's going to be such and such. Is that a strange thing? Doesn't sound a bit strange to you? Isn't Jesus supposed to accept who we are? Yes, he does. But he also knows what he's calling us to and the new life that he calls us to. And so he gives Simon a new name, Peter, the rock upon which the confession of Peter that, that uh, Jesus will build his church. Having found Jesus, Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus. We're also, invite, we're also called to bring others to Christ that they may find new life and a new identity in him. Yes, we are to bring others to Jesus. And in coming to Jesus, some find him. Some are changed as they abide with him, but others also reject him. Our task is not to convert them, but to invite them, to show them Jesus. The rest is the work of the Spirit. Next week we'll examine how Jesus reveals himself through the word and then calls us into discipleship. A call not only to know him, but to follow him in making him known to the nations. We'll find that discipleship also involves waiting on the Lord. And though we no longer wait for Jesus to be revealed to us, God's plan of salvation through Jesus is ongoing. That great vision of the whole world, all nations bowing before him. That impossible, amazing, gracious-filled vision. That's the vision we need, not just St. Paul's vision here local, but that bigger vision. That we can rejoice when churches down the road are having successful ministries and we are waiting. God, his plans will be fulfilled as he sees fit, in the timing that he sees fit. And waiting is not easy then, isn't it? When we see other ministries prosper. It's not easy unless you know that God has all things in his hands and his timing is better than our desired timing. And as we wait for our prayers to be answered and our troubles to be over, we can rejoice, along with King David, that God indeed has already raised us up with Christ, out of the pit of judgment and death, and set our feet upon the solid ground of faith, the ground of Christ's work and righteousness. And having been given that sure eternal gift, we can wait patiently with patience, double waiting as King David expressed on God's timing and wisdom to relieve and rescue us from the things that trouble us in this life. And so with joy we can sing a new song and continue to put our trust in God. How good it is and how right for the creature to praise the creator, for the redeemed to praise the redeemer. As, Jesus, as David says, your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted. They are more than can be numbered. So as we wait, we're tempted to think that God has forgotten us. But here David is encouraging us, not only with the works of God in the past, but his thoughts towards us cannot be recounted. There are too many of them to be numbered. God thinks of you as you wait. And David knew that God thought about him and his people. God thinks about us favourably. So go from this house of worship today assured that God thinks favorably about you 
and about the ministry that we have been given here. That this, his plan of salvation includes us as he works to bring his kingdom of grace and healing to all people. Patience is not simply the ability to wait, it's how we behave while we are waiting. And we wait with hope and confidence in the one whom we trust. So thank you, Heavenly Father, that your thoughts towards me are full of favour. They're beautiful and blessed. Not because I am wonderful or worthy, but because I am in Christ Jesus. Help me to praise you for the salvation I have freely received, which you desire for all people, for your kingdom not yet fully revealed. In my trials, give me wisdom to determine the balance between waiting passively, trusting completely in you, versus using the means and gifts that you provide us in this world to help ourselves. Send your spirit to empower our witness here at St. Paul's and our working together towards justice and equity for others whilst there is yet time to do so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.